We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What are you doing out here? What am I supposed to do? Deal from you have to. My, 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 my what? what you, the have to. Are you, are you speaking English? The have to is what you use when you're afraid. Okay. Okay, you got it? Listen to me. Okay. Everybody is half win and half lose. Okay. The lose half is afraid. Right. The winning half is fearless. Fearless. Right. The have to is inside. It's where the fear lives. Oh, okay. Okay? Could you start over again? Oh. Let's play ball! They have to. Let's see it. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, where we're breaking down the on-field action of your favorite sports movies. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. This week, we're breaking down the baseball and Rookie of the Year. The movie is a lot like Lunchables, something you've got really fond memories of from childhood, You know, something you loved, appreciated, cherished, but when you rediscover them in adulthood, you find out they're terrible and have, have aged really, really badly. Uh, I was fortunate to have Mike Camerlengo on to talk this movie. Mike is a TV and internet comedy writer who's been featured on MTV and Comedy Central. You may also have seen his really funny 60-second movie recaps on his Twitter account, uh, he's done a couple great sports movies in there. I've tried to retweet those from the Big Screen Sports Twitter account. And he's also been a featured guest on my good buddy J.R. Hickey's podcast, Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. So if you enjoy Mike on today's episode, go check out his social media accounts and his website, as well as his appearance on J.R.'s podcast if you're an Entourage fan. I'll link all of Mike's info here in, uh, in the show notes. I want to thank everyone who's gone and taken the quick audience survey to help me continue to improve this podcast. If you haven't yet, please take a couple minutes and go to surveymonkey.com slash r slash big screen sports and help us out. Uh, I want to keep making this podcast as good as possible listening experience for the listeners. Uh, so yeah, really appreciate everyone who's gone and filled out that survey. As always, make sure to subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast. And if you haven't yet, you know, leave a quick rating and a review. Uh, always love to hear what you guys are thinking, what movies you want to see next, uh, and so on and so on. Make sure you follow on Twitter at Big underscore Screen Sport and Instagram at Big Screen Sports Pod. I've got a couple really big announcements on the horizon. I'm hoping to share those in the next week or two. A few things I'm excited about for this podcast and another project in the works. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But as for now, let's get into Rookie of the Year with Mike Camerlingo. 
All right, my guest tonight is a TV and internet comedy writer whose work has been featured on MTV and Comedy Central, Mike Camerlengo. Mike, how's it going? Hey, man, thanks for having me. Uh, It's going great, going even better after I watched Rookie of the Year. I'm pumped. Thanks for being willing to come on and talk this uh, this surprisingly bad baseball movie. It's if you asked me yesterday if you liked Rookie of the Year, I'd be like, yeah, it's one of the best baseball movies. But um, it doesn't quite hold up. Yeah, if you would have asked me before my rewatch, I would have said like, oh yeah, it's you know it's decent. You know, you have fond right. memories of it from childhood, but on upon rewatch, really bad, really bad yeah. movie. Um, but yeah. before we get talking about that, uh, tell the listeners a bit about where they can find your previous work and then anything you've got coming up on the works. Um, yeah, find me on Twitter at uh, mcamerlingo, last name C-A-M-E-R-L-E-N-G-O. It's in the description. You'll see it. Uh, but I do a, a series that uh, where I break down old movies in 60 seconds. It's called 60 Second Classics. And I was going to actually do this movie, but after watching it, I was like, I don't think I even want to do it. I don't so, think it's worth your time. Because <laughs> I usually, I really do only like to do movies that I like. And, and this is, I don't know. It's just, it's not happening. But uh, yeah, so on my Twitter, that's where I post most of my videos and stuff like that. You can also go to my website, MikeCamerlingo.com. It's got some of my uh, longer form stuff, some web series, short films, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you've got uh, the the 60 second movies you, you've done, uh, I think a couple sports movies. You've done Rudy and Happy Gilmore, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I've fallen into... The sports movies have, have done pretty well for them. I, I don't know if The Karate Kid's considered a sports movie, but I did that one as well. I'm going to cover um, it on this podcast at some point. It's great. I did it in, uh, on the, on the 20, uh, 35th anniversary, and, and Ralph Macchio retweeted it. And it was like, yo, everyone's got to watch this. It's hilarious. And then five, five minutes later, he deleted it. And, uh, and I think moves. about it every day. I think about it every day. Strange move by by Ralph. I suppose he's got that the new the Cobra Kai series to promote and everything. It, I it think seems like he'd want all the momentum towards Karate Kid right now. I feel like maybe that's why he deleted it because like he might think maybe somebody was like, "Oh, is this guy making fun of Karate Kid?" But absolutely not. It's an awesome movie. Why would I ever make fun of it? Yeah, it's a classic. Uh, yeah. But what is not a classic is rookie <laughs> of the rookie of the year. Rookie of the year is the nineteen ninety three. Uh, Children's baseball movie, I guess we'll say. Now, the kid who wasn't good enough for Little League is pitching. Gosh, Henry, you can play for the Cubs. Hey. In the big leagues. I'm the new pitcher. <laughs> 12 year old Henry Rowengardner, the youngest person in history to play major league. Mm-hmm. Uh, when an accident miraculously gives a boy an incredibly powerful pitching arm, he becomes a major league pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. It got a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by uh, Daniel Stern, one half of the Wet Bandits from Home Alone. Yep. Uh, this is uh, post-Home Alone and City Slickers for him, but post both Home Alones. Uh, it starts Thomas Ian Nicholas, Gary Busey, Albert Hall, Daniel Stern himself, and John Candy, who's actually uncredited. But, really? Uh, John he's, Candy, yeah. he's in it a ton. Yeah, and he's the he's probably the biggest star in the movie. Yeah. I think. Even like retrospective, you know, 20 years later, he's 20 plus years later, I think he's still the biggest star in this movie. Right. Um, passed, passed away pretty soon after it came out. But um, yeah, I mean, impressions of this movie, like like we were talking about, 
it you have like a fond memory of it because when you were a kid you know you watch this movie it's a kid who pitches for the cubs that's pretty cool and you you don't really think about it much as an adult this movie stinks yeah it's funny like you said when you when you're watching it as an adult you notice that oh it's clearly for kids like a lot of the stuff they're doing like when they're going through, there's not one, but there's two different scenes where they're going through an airport or they're using an escalator. And both times people are running down the escalator that's going up. And that's just like such a thing that like kids are like, that's so awesome. Like, that's a cool thing. It's just, I was just like, that's it right there. It's a kid's movie. They're running down the escalator that's going up. I cracked the case. Yeah, doing this, like doing this podcast and like doing a couple, especially Little Big League, I'll touch on in a bit. I feel like you can make sports movies that are good for adults and children. I feel like sports movies can kind of blend that, um, can kind of blend that a little bit. And this one just straight up, like it's going to be silly and dumb as shit. And no one above the age of 13 is going to care about this movie. And I think, I think they were trying to let, they had like the whole mom, like the, the relationship between the mom and the son. And then also the romantic, like the romantic thing between her and Busey a little bit. Like, I feel like they wanted this movie, the, the people like to go see it with their mothers. That's what it felt there like. Were some adult the- there were some adult themes in the movie. So right. it wasn't like, they just exclusively made it for kids, but it, it didn't. It didn't really land. Not enough. Uh, a little like, bit. Yeah, give me yeah. Busey with his shirt off a little more. You know what I mean? Like, give me something for the adults. It's weird seeing borderline sane Busey. It's really weird seeing like twenty years later in retrospect. I guess I knew he was in it, but then when I when I turned it on, I was like, oh wow, that is Gary Busey. Like comparing him to, you know, the guy who shows up on Entourage or whatever. It's just it's a it's a it's a weird thing. Yeah, shout out to our, our mutual buddy, J.R. Hickey. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the Entourage podcast. But Busey on Entourage has just lost his fucking mind and yeah. is like a joke of himself, whereas this is a serious Busey. It's, it may not be uh, it may not be you talking, you know, give me two from right. uh, Point Break, but it's, uh, you know, he's still, he's still seemingly got it together. And he's got a pretty, um, pretty solid mustache in this, too. Well, okay, so th- let's go right into the the IMDb trivia from this movie. The Don't tell me one, it's fake. Gary Busey was clean shaven during production, and the mustache he is seen wearing is fake. Oh my god, I feel like such a fool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to wow. bring you be the bearer of bad news here. Uh, his character Chet Stedman is nicknamed Rocket. That character was based on popular Major League Baseball player Roger Clemens, whose nickname is Rocket. Who who has aged worse? Whose reputation has aged worse, <laughs> Busey or Clemens, since this movie came out? I mean, at least Clemens could stick by his Rocket nickname. I mean, Busey was throwing fucking nothing. Nothing. Busey I was mean, throwing poo. We can talk about the baseball scenes, but every time they showed him, it was either super tight shot or from like a blimp. Um, and it was tough. It was a tough scene. Yeah, and then um, you know, in the last, neither of their reputations has come up well in the past, you know, twenty plus years. But Busey is throwing nothing in every sense of the word now. Yeah, just just nothing. Uh, his son Jake Busey was in. Uh, is it his son or his brother? I don't know, but he was in Stranger Things. I think it's his son. Yeah, Things. the age difference is too big. Yeah, yeah, he plays yeah. like the asshole who's like in the uh, the the journalist guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only other thing I'd seen. He was in uh, Identity with Ray Liotta and John Cusack, which is one of my random favorites. Huh. But uh, some other IMDb trivia. When Henry has to take his first at bat against the Dodgers, the pitcher in that scene 
is Tim Stoddard. Stoddard was a technical advisor for the baseball scenes in this movie. He did a he did a terrible job in that case. But he, he was actually a he was a pitcher for the Cubs in real life. He pitched on an '84 Cubs team that won an NL East title. He was also 39 when this movie came out. Like he was clearly way too old to be a major league pitcher. Yeah, he actually I noticed when he was like not even his pitching motion, just kind of when he was like in his set. I was like, oh, this guy maybe has played at some point in his life. Yeah, so he was yeah he was an ex big league. He kind of carried himself that way. He was just right. he was old. Um, following the film's release, Thomas E. Nicholas threw at the first pitch at multiple Cubs games. He's done that like recently. He was, um, really, how does yeah, he throw he, it? Does he float I mean, it? I think it's better than his character. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he floats it. Uh, during the 2015 National League Championship Series, when the Cubs faced the Mets as they did in the movie, he attended game four in a Rowan Gardner number one jersey. That's so, pretty cool, uh, though. Interesting like, there uh, that they made that like this is like they did the Cubs. It's a real team. It wasn't just like the Dragons. So like at least he has that where it's like the, the people, the Chicago fans probably all love him. Yeah, Cubs fandom seems to still really appreciate when he's at the game. You see that it pops up on Twitter every now and then when he's at a Cubs game. You know, it pop, they you know the Cubs Twitter account tweets some rookie of the year reference. It is cool, I guess, to have. Because you don't see many movies where people are part... Like, this seems like the Cubs just opened up everything for them, you know? Yeah. Like, they're using the field, they're using everything. Like, you see so many movies where maybe there's, like, an exterior shot, and and then you you go to it, and it's maybe shot on a fucking lot in Hollywood or something. Yeah, no, and that's one of the better things about this movie is that the the fact that they got Wrigley and they they opened it up. A couple more IMDb things. This is the only film directed by Daniel Stern. I'm I'm just wondering if someone saw this and was like, you you shouldn't direct anymore. Um, And (laughs) then except for... Go ahead. Sorry, but this made like decent money or no? Uh, Honestly, I didn't check. I can can check here. I'll check here in a bit. Uh, But... Just a side note. I didn't check in a bit, but the movie made $56.5 million at the box office. Not bad. Um, except for once, Martinella, who's the manager, gets Henry's last name wrong. He calls him the following. I'm looking for Henry Rulinfurter. Raffenboozer. Rosenbagger. Gardenhoser. Rulingroder. I never doubted him for a minute. Hey, way to go, runner-mucker. Ron Gardner, you're going in. What'd he call me? I'd say that's a pretty good joke that is that is held up. Like even to this day, I'm not saying I say it all the time, but maybe once a year, uh, you know, if, if someone says Rosenbag or something, you know, give out a Rosenbagger or say something, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've I've thrown out the Rosenbagger in my time. That's yeah. the one. That's one of the things from this movie that's held up. And the final piece of IMDb trivia that I liked uh, is probably my favorite. The scene featuring live shots at Wrigley chanting, We Want Henry, was filmed in September of 1992 between games during a doubleheader between the Cubs and their division rival, the Cardinals. The film's producers described the scene and instructed the crowd on what to chant over the stadium's PA system. While the majority of the fans participated, large number of Cardinals fans in the crowd went off script because Cardinals fans are shitheads, <laughs> chanting instead, We Want Ozzy, referring to the Cardinals' all-star shortstop, Ozzy Smith. It took multiple takes for the entire crowd to participate in the correct chant, and the Aussie chants are not audible in the film. Doesn't shock me at all by Cardinals fans. That's hilarious. It does. It it is funny. Like the crowd, I noticed they're very like 
they're very bouncy and very going. It almost felt like the uh, like the video game crowd in like NBA 2K or something. Everyone's just but kind of bouncing the same way. Um, nobody's looking off into the distance. It's it's pretty. They they were jacked up and ready to go. They were. They were. That, that's one of the things this this uh, this movie did well is actually getting a crowd in there and getting the stadium feel. Mike, I don't think I need to ask, but is this a Hall of Fame, an All Star, a starter, or a bench warmer sports film for you? All right, so. I got two answers. So as a kid, I think it's like a starter. Like even, you know, when I was younger, I was like, this movie's pretty good. I like it. It's a starter. But as an adult, I, I just, I can't go back and watch it again. It, it's a bench warmer. I, I, this might, this rewatch might be the last time I ever watch it, honestly. It's <laughs> because a, there are it's other movies where, like kids movies, like like Teen Wolf is a kids movie, right? Yeah. That to me is like so fun to rewatch. It's because actually, it's... you know, no, Teen Wolf. Actually, we did. I did Teen Wolf a couple couple weeks ago with uh, Jeff Perlman. Yeah, N- not a kids movie. That's not not as someone with a kid. Like my, I don't think my kid can watch Teen Wolf until he's at least like twelve, and I'm going to be pretty lenient with what my kid can watch. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean even now, Michael J. Fox like fucks a girl and like as the wolf. Even <laughs> even now, I mean, it's seared into my memory, Pamela in a bra, you know what I mean? So I, I think I saw that maybe too young. Yeah, this movie is a little more kid-centric than uh, than Teen Wolf. But yeah, I mean, so Little Big League, I did Little Big League a few, you know, a couple months ago with Fred Siegel. Mm-hmm. And like, and we even brought up, and, and I interviewed the star of Little Big League, uh, Luke Edwards, and he even brought up that him and Thomasy and Nicholas get they they did the '90s you know movie circuit with each other a lot. They get compared a lot. They get mistaken for each other a lot because these movies are kind of tied together in that it's like an 11, 12 year old kid who get who's involved in Major League Baseball. But the thing that Little Big League does so well, and why I love Little Big League is that it does it to it does this like kid in major league baseball thing to perfection. It legitimizes one super implausible thing, which is like a 12-year-old is involved in major league baseball whether he's the manager or whether he's playing like this movie did cuz there is a version of this movie that that could work. And then it surrounds it with believability. It gets guys who look like ball players and makes the plot realistic. It still does fun kid stuff. Mm-hmm. Like little big league like kids would still watch Little Big League and enjoy Little Big League, but it was also good for adults, and you got the feel that it was a baseball movie. It has some really awesome montages. This movie doesn't do that. This movie is, like like you said, just straight up, it's fucking silly and not in a good way. Because even as a kid, I was like, oh, I liked Little Big League, but watching it, I was like, oh, this could really happen. And I think that's why I liked it even more. I'm like, oh, this is kind of believable. Mm -hmm. And it does it because it it lines it up over pretty much a full season. It has the slow buildup of team isn't really with it with the kid, with the manager in Little Big League. You kind of see them grow. You see the team get better. Um, You kind of ride out this this whole wave with this team. And it's like a classic sports movie. Underdog team makes it to a championship game. With this one, there's like no buildup. Right? Yeah, they they lose. Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, robs Luke Collins at the fence. Right, right. I, I'm a Twins fan, so like that that hurt my soul growing up. Does he ever come out and throw the first pitch at Twins games? The Twins don't give him nearly as much love as the Cubs give Thomasy uh-huh. and Nicholas. Like he's not there as much as he should be. Like they should be. They should have little big league day every single year. I don't yeah. know why that doesn't happen. But this one, there's like no build up. The team believes in Henry after two games. 
uh, Busey is his mentor after like two games, and it's like, all right, and the whole team's better now. It's it's just a it's a weird thing. It just doesn't come off as realistic. And again, you have to if this movie's going to work, you have to say, okay, I believe that this kid can play in the big leagues. Here's a bunch of stuff that would actually work, and they just they shit the bed on it. It's kind of weird because it's so the first half hour, thirty five minutes is so slow. And then all of a sudden, he's just into it, and he's good, and everyone loves him, like you said. Um, and it's just a weird... And they play, like, three games, and then the movie's over. Mm-hmm. There's just no build-up, and there's really, like, no no legitimate plot. It's uh, it's just a bummer of a movie. How bad? It's, first, is, it's too slow, and then it's way too fast. Yeah, it just gets ramped up. In a lot of these movies, like, you know, you'll see... Maybe the lead actor is not a great athlete or whatever, but they usually surround them with like, you know, athletes who can fucking hit their mark. But nobody, no secondary actor or whoever is good in this movie. Like there, there are no good athletes on the field at, at, ever. There's a double play just in the back when Henry. I the wrote double it down. Play. I wrote yeah. it down. I go the shortstop fucking shot puts like a pumpkin. It's so bad. You couldn't have found a fucking dude on the street to put in a Cubs jersey and be like, hey, man, did you play baseball even in middle school? Here, let's do this. Like, that's the thing. Like, little big league movies like Major League, like all the extras, Bull Durham, all the extras played. Like, minor league baseball players, especially in the 90s, made nothing. They were probably making, like, a dollar. They were making prison wages. Yeah. And you can't, like, hire those guys out to be your extras. It's just astounding. Yeah, it is weird compared to across sports. I mean, I just... I just did Varsity Blues for my the series I did, and the amount I don't know if they got people from a local college or football players, or whatever. But guys are like diving into each other head first. Like the football is so real in that, and like can James Vanderbeek really play? Probably not. But they they surrounded him with people who could. So you're like, this is awesome. And that's the key to a good sports movie. If you can't cast actual athletes, like if you don't pull a blue chips and cast you know Shaq and Penny cast actors who are somewhat believable and then surround them with legitimate talent. Yeah. Like, uh, let's try to pick a best scene. I'll throw out some yeah. nominees. Uh, Henry's first throw from the stands when he, he whips it on a line from a uh, center field to home plate, which I want to talk about the legitimacy of in a bit. Okay. Here goes. Oh my God! Yeah, I'd l- um, I get some points on that too. Yeah, Henry, and most of these are almost in jest because there's no no real scene in this movie like I legitimately enjoy. Henry, when he's first in the locker room, he's talking to Brickma, and then he's just staring at grown men dicks. <laughs> it's like the first time he's ever seen a, a a real like a grown men's man's penis. Yeah, uh, and then. The limo ride with Chet Stedman and his mom, and Henry's just essentially trying to get Chet Stedman to fuck his mom. Right. He plays is, on. He plays is, like Sinatra or something. He's like, "What? I like yeah. this music." Yeah. He's like, "Chet, please, yeah, please fuck my mother." Please. And then, uh, and then, this is my pick: uh, Mary punching Jack and knocking his ass out the door and down the stairs. It's funny. I remember that scene, um, but watching it a second or you know, whenever I did yesterday, it, it that's one of the better scenes in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. she really cracks him. Her, her response is great. 
like she's she's like oh she like mumbles oh i should i should could have killed him or something it was but like happily like she's like oh i should have killed him or something like that it was it was pretty real it, it played to probably to the adults in the audience uh which was good yeah i mean he went full for the for the first three quarters of the movie he was just kind of like kids movie scumbag like he was just a, a douchebag and then he went full like drama movie scumbag real quickly like the cracks about his dad and his mom not (laughs) knowing who his dad is like whoa buddy like you got the wrong you're in the wrong theater right now that's one where i I think that like was there were there more scenes with him doing shit like that that just got cut out for time because he goes zero to 60 obviously they plant the seeds of him kind of being a scumbag but yeah he's like hey you got to go to a photo shoot oh your dad is probably not your dad because your mom banged 100 guys like it, it was real quick yeah, real tough. Tough look for uh, for Bruce Altman, who played uh, Jack <laughs> yeah. Bradfield. Um, so for uh, you, go yeah, ahead. those are good. Those are good. Yeah, I, I think the the one with the mom punching him is is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it was one of it was one of the few times like I remember exactly what was coming. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as he started laying into Henry, I was like, oh, she's coming down the stairs, and she's yeah. just gonna deck his ass. Um, what were the most in, did you have a, a most and least, I mean, least authentic, there's a million things. Did you have a, something that was most authentic or, you know, realistic sports wise for the movie? Um, so I had like most, so when Daniel Stern is taking batting practice, um, and he's like, keeps hitting the ball up onto the net above him. He, even though he's fucking up, I think he has the best swing in the whole movie. I think he might. I think he, I really don't think you're wrong about that because there's not a lot of competition. No, because because obviously he's making it look kind of goofy, but he is a really good swing. And I wrote down the Daniel Stern best athlete question mark. I think he is. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the of the actors of uh, the actors who swing, I think there's only there's Daniel Stern, there's uh, Stan Oakey, the first baseman, who's the janitor from Scrubs. Yeah, Neil I couldn't Flynn. believe how how young he was. Yeah, and then there's the. Um, the the three the three random big league cameos you get Pedro Guerrero you get Bobby Bonilla and then of course you get Barry Bonds who even though even Barry Bonds is like tight, even though they go really tight on the shot you can see how smooth that swing is oh it's beautiful it's wonderful I, I tweeted I tweeted it out but like Bonds striking out against Rowan Gardner you know struck a chord with him that he would never fail again and he would do <laughs> any means necessary never to fail. That's hilarious. Boy, he took that to heart. Uh, <laughs> I think the most authentic thing was kind of like we talked about was just getting the Wrigley atmosphere. Uh, you know, they could have, like you said, they could have just like shot it on a on a set somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in, in L.A. or whatever, or California. And so th- that was good, um, you know, doing the, the big crowd shots and the Wrigley fans and then like angry Cubs fans when, when the Rockets given up home runs, like that was pretty realistic. Yeah. I'm sure that happens. Yeah. Um, the least realistic for me is the fact that like Henry is a relief pitcher and somehow Henry, like he's just a closer basically. And it sounds like the Cubs suck ass when they get him, which is like at the earliest is August 1st mm-hmm. because they say he's going to have that cast on until August Getting a closer for two months wouldn't spur your team to the playoffs, and it doesn't do a good job of making it seem like this team has gotten any better. Right. It's like, it's oh, we, like, we've got a, we got a reliever now. We're going to make the playoffs. Well, it's kind of like he injected like the magic into the team and the city, 
And now, yeah, he like starts pitching, and then next scene, John Candy's like, "Oh, the the Cubs are only three games out." It's like, of what? <laughs> of the, you know? the seller of the yeah so because it's right before they were getting henry they're saying like john candy makes the crack that there's 300 fans there which i went and looked back the uh the least the cubs have averaged is just under 10,081 when they were the second second to uh came in second to last in the national league like it's it's chicago it's wrigley there's no way they're getting less than than 10,000 right. fans at any game right but that's one of the things, probably the thing this movie fails at the most is it sets it up and basically Henry's playing for two months. He's just a reliever. They don't, there's no like montage of the team getting better like they do in every baseball movie. Like, hey, this guy's starting to play well and he's working at his craft and stuff. It's just like, oh no, Chet Stedman's pitching decent and everyone's happy because we've got a closer and now we're, you know, we're going to make the playoffs. Like that, it's, it's incredibly implausible. I couldn't believe there was no montage. Like when I was rewatching it, I was like, all right, we're at the hour mark. They're starting to turn it on. Let's hear some, uh, you know, Billy Idol or something. Like not nothing really cranked up. And, and it just, they're, all of a sudden, they're in the last game. It's got so little baseball, but it seems like it'd be a movie that would be all about the baseball. And it's really like the, the baseball plot is so poor. It's so bad. And it's, there is a good movie in there somewhere, but it is not on screen. It's funny they, uh, the, the, with Henry being a, ca- a closer, they have. I just don't get. They have no other pitchers. I get he's the main character of the movie, but when he loses his arm at the end, they they resort to these crazy tactics. It's like just put in another reliever and you guys will win. Yeah, you don't. You don't have a single other big league pitcher who can get you two outs. Like you get the you get the hidden ball trick. Congratulations. Guess what? Henry can't throw the ball. You should be able to see that from the dugout. And it's like Stedman and the manager just like, oh no, let him you know let him go, let him go. Like what the fuck are you doing? They're like, let him figure it out. It's like it's you know it's like the kid can figure it out. It, the kid doesn't need his parents. It, he can figure it out on his own, which he does. Is that what you had for least realistic? I mean, I, I mean, a there's lot. a lot. I have there's a lot, lot of choices. So, like you you mentioned a second ago, but when he first throws the ball from center field when he's in the stands, I mean, not even a crow hop. He just he just throws it without even pointing his shoulder, and it's like on a line. And I get that that's the point of the movie, but at least like have him give a little crow hop or something. Yeah, it's uh, that's a whole thing. So I I want to talk about like how hard do we think Henry was throwing? How like. One, no human in the world can do that. But then they they don't make it seem like he's throwing impossibly hard. It just seems like he's throwing really hard. They never show us how hard Henry's throwing. I, I think um, they have a radar gun on him once, and he go he hits 103. Which, like, now is, like, common. Which is, like, super fast, obviously. But, yeah, it's not like, it's not like crazy. It's not like yeah. no one will hit it. Yeah, Especially because he needs to have thrown harder than anyone who has ever thrown a baseball. He needs to be throwing like 112. Yeah, and he doesn't have a second pitch, which, come on, Henry. Let's go, yeah, man. And can't throw strikes. Throw in a circle change, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's a, it's the whole thing with Henry is that they, he should either, they should be like, oh, wow, he's throwing harder. They should set it up like he's throwing harder than anyone else. There's just no, 
it there's no like preparation there's no nothing built into the character it's like oh he's got this thing he's throwing really hard he's throwing like 103 we're just gonna throw him out there and he's really good like there should be there should be a montage aside from the one bullpen that chet stedman is giving him of like you know tips that aren't really good tips right there should be a montage i mean really this movie should be stretched out for a full season yeah like if you're gonna do this it shouldn't be a two-month thing but it should be like okay henry's throwing harder than anyone else but like hey Anyone can hit a fastball in the big leagues. It doesn't matter how hard you throw. Maybe they show Henry learning how to throw a changeup. Maybe they show him learning how to throw strikes. And they, they just don't do that. They're just like, oh, no, this, you know, 103, kids got it. Big league hitters, they're fine. Barry Bonds, he's not going to touch it. Sounds like you want this turned into a Netflix series. Let's do 10 episodes. I'm telling so when we, at the end, I want, let's lay out what a Netflix series with a show works like. Because I, I I really think like it could be a thing and this is it's such a blank canvas really because this movie sucks so much ass that it's not like you're ripping anything off like you can literally just take the concept um did you have anything else that worked that was realistic oh man I have so many stupid like nitpicky notes that I mean I guess I can talk about so real that's my favorite that's my favorite though like I love just nitpicking because this is a movie like that it's not really like big themes that are realistic and stuff it's just like small nitpicky stuff i mean i i think the the i think the acting is good like i think um the main character's good i think his friends are fine his mom's a good actor Busey's fine like everybody's everybody's good it's well cast yeah everyone's good and uh you know they're doing their thing it's just i guess it's not for old man mike anymore you know Mm -hmm. um yeah when he this is back to like my shitty note nitpicks and like when he breaks his arm, he's this right before he flips, he's lunging forward, right? Like he's almost laying out like, like you would dive to catch a ball. And then his next little step, he hits the ball with his foot and then he does like a backflip. And I'm just like, that's not how he would have flipped. We've all played little league and stuff with kid. Like there was always the worst kid on the team. Henry's impossibly bad. He's like a much worse athlete than even the worst athlete that anyone played Little League with. That that first scene when he loses, he's in right field, he loses the ball. Like he doesn't have the common sense oh, to terrible. pick up pick your hat, bill dude. It's, it's And throws it over the fence. It's awful. I mean, it's one of the worst athletic. I mean, it's, it's unrealistically awful. Like no... No kid, he is worse than uh, than Timmy Lupus from Bad News Bears. <laughs> well, they show that too, though. Like the kid who he comes in for, he's like a nerdy kid with glasses. He can't see. He's got asthma or whatever. And it's like, wow, he's worse than this kid because he's playing. Um, and also, Henry wears jeans to the game. Uh, shout out to Nate Hale on Twitter who said this, but I, I wrote it down. He wears jeans to the game. And then at the end of the movie, he's still wearing jeans. Like, After dude, seemingly making a ton of money. Dude, you did a Pepsi campaign. You're in SAG now, bro. Go get some fucking pants. Yeah, it, it, the, his whole team has pants on too. It's <laughs> not like it's not like he's the like it's not like everyone else is wearing jeans. His whole team is in uniform and he's wearing jeans. I don't So are they I saying, don't understand. Are they it. saying like, "Oh, he's like like he, you know, single mom, she works really hard, he can't afford it." Is that what they're saying? Or are they saying, like, he's just a fucking idiot? He doesn't know where his pants are? Like, I don't get why he wouldn't have pants on. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know the statement. I don't know the intent behind why he's wearing jeans. It just it doesn't make a lick of sense. 
I guess especially it, after he wins, like he won the World Series with the Cubs, and he can't, like stunt on everyone, show up to the game in your fucking Cubs pants. Yeah, dude, I'd be like, wearing how sick. Would that be? I'd be wearing a fucking Pepsi jersey like across the back. Like I would just show up tossing out Pepsi news or whatever the fuck to people. Like it's so weird that that happens. And another like stupid nitpicky thing is like his mom is like you know super protective of him and all that shit and you know punched a guy out for being a dick to her son but yet she just willy-nilly signs a contract without even reading it she that person would never do that yeah she was very hands-off with his baseball career despite being really protective and other stuff you're right it's very it does not line up with that character's motives right also how is he allowed to play little league he played in the major leagues. Well, like, I, think I don't know if Little League works like the NCAA, but like I feel like you still wouldn't be able to come back and, and play Little League. I feel like your amateur career is over. I think everybody just kind of was like, wow, well, his arm's back to normal. He sucks now. Like He's still playing right field. Which, by the way, at the end of the game, they do this a couple times in this movie, where they'll, they'll have like a ball on one scene, and then it will transition to another scene. And they do it at the end of the movie where the ball's in the air. And then they have him catching the ball over the fence, not even looking at it. And it's like, dude, that's the sickest catch I've ever seen before in my life. And there's no way you can make it in your fucking Jenko jeans. <laughs> the the thing about Henry, like, and I, I we talked about this before we recorded, like, no no disrespect on Thomasy and Nicholas's performance at all cuz yeah, he, he's good. I mean, he played the kid yeah he played he's likable yeah. the kid has to be likable seems really genuine he, he i will say he's got a tough pre-puberty voice they caught him in a really weird yeah. period in his life uh which i'm sure it's very tough to have that play out on screen but in line with the rest of the cast like for this movie to be successful the kid has to be pretty genuine and pretty likable, and he was. So that, I mean, that's a mark. Like, strike that in the positive category, yeah. I guess. That, like, you know, they they didn't write him very well, and none of this movie made sense, but at least he performed well. Yeah, um, and, all, and all the kids, I think, were, like, pretty good. Like, again, since it's a kid's movie, you have to have that shit where, like, they get mad at him for not being around, even though he's pitching for the Cubs. Like, I feel like if I was 12 yeah, or, or however old they are and my best friend was pitching for the Cubs and he couldn't come on the boat, I'd be like, yeah, but he's pitching for the Cubs. That's pretty cool. But they get pissed at him real fast. Yeah. You think they'd more just be like, hey, man, if if you're not going to, um, you know, if you're not going to help us fix this boat, why don't you use some of that Cub scratch and just buy us a legitimate boat? Yeah, that's buy not us a boat. The shit out of the environment when we run it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Henry didn't really, Henry didn't flex on him at all with that money. It makes Is me it think, very surprising. Yeah, I don't know how much of that money he actually got. And, uh, you know, the, maybe the crazy manager took it all. Who knows? Yeah, I don't... The um, Another thing with the money is the whole plot about uh, the Yankees or they're selling them to the Yankees in September right before they're about to make the playoffs. Yeah, so like, why, wait, would what? The, why would the, the Cubs do that? I know that guy's just like a fucking greedy guy or whatever, but... So they're just going to sell him just to make $25 million and they won't... I don't really understand that part. And then... Yeah, because his motivation for getting him on the team is to get people in the seats. Which right. Now they're in the seats. They're not going to lose the team, which is like a ridiculous plot in its own sense. It's not even worth talking about the whole thing. Like, we might lose the team? Like, no. 
Right. But that's not how it works. But now people are going to the games and the Cubs are good. Like, this is what you wanted. And you're going to sell that off for $25 million, which, like, in the grand scheme of things, is not a lot of money if you're going to run a Major League Baseball team for years and years and years. But then the other thing is, like, that that guy tells the manager that they're sell they're going to sell Henry to the Cubs. All he needs is the mom's signature. And the manager's like, oh, yeah, and then you got to get rid of uh, Busey for me, Chet Stedman. And the guy's like, done. So then they agree to, to send him to the Yankees. And then they tell Stedman that he's not pitching the rest of the year. And then at the end of the year, he's done. It doesn't make any sense. Why, why would it matter? At the end of the year, he's going to the Yankees. What does it matter if Stedman's still on the Cubs or not? Yeah, it's just like it, that, that whole, the whole interaction with uh, it, it's Dan Hedaya who, who plays Larry Fish Fisher. Is like, I guess the GM. What's that guy from? Is, I, I didn't even IMDb him, but he looks so familiar. For, for me, how, what I see him as, he's the dad from Night at the Roxbury. Oh, he's not in like blank check or something, is he? I feel like he's like a guy like that. He's he's one of like those guys. Uh, he's in Usual Suspects. He's the dad in Clueless. The Clueless. In, that, that's in, what. It, yeah, Clueless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the dad in Clueless. So yeah, he's one of he's one of those guys, and we'll get into him with the the Lenny Harris pinch hitter. Where there's a lot of like, oh, that guy uh-huh. in this movie. Um, I want to talk about Henry's first game. The first time he comes in, you know, they they bring him in. I I had forgotten that he was just a relief pitcher when I saw this movie. I, I for some reason I thought they were using him as a starter. That was this whole thing. I forgot that they were literally just bringing him in as a closer. And you know, the three games they show, but his first game, you come in, it seems like it's a disaster. Like Stedman's, you know, getting lit up so much so that. The guy, the GM, calls the manager and says, "You know, Stedman stinks. Get him out of there. Get Henry in. You know, that's that's what all these people are there for." Henry comes in, he gets one out, and then John Candy saying, "You know, Cubs win." And Roan Gardner gets a save. Cubs win five to four. So that means Stedman went eight and two thirds innings and gave up three runs because because Henry gave up a home run. Like, he almost threw a CG and he only gave up three runs. Like, that's an incredible outing for a guy whose shoulder is completely shot. Yeah, they have no middle relievers, um, which is clear in this movie. And they do a terrible job of, of painting that picture. They should be like, wow, Stedman's going the distance. It's the ninth inning. I didn't even know what was happening. He comes in, he gets one out. They're like, game's over. I'm like, what? That was the fucking ninth inning? Yeah, they did. you had no clue until they said the game was over. Like, it should have been Henry's coming in like the, If you're going that route, it should have been Henry's coming in the third inning. They don't win the game, but he, like, impresses or something. I right. It's just like, wait, what? It, he just, he threw an incredible, Stedman threw an incredible game. Like, you should be, everyone should be really happy about this. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they win the next game. Henry saves the next game against the Giants. And John Kane, Cliff Murdoch, the, the, uh, the announcer, says... That's the Cubs' longest winning streak of the season at two. Oh, yeah. This team then goes on to win the World Series. The longest winning streak of the year is two in August, and they end up winning the World Series. Like did, they had to be four, like forty games out of first place by then. Who do they win? In, they who do they beat at the end? I thought that was like just the pennant or something. Am I an idiot? Who do they play? So they they beat the they Mets. Win the division against the Mets. They right, beat right. the Mets to win the division, but yeah. then you just know they won the World Series because Henry's got Henry's also like Henry's wearing his fucking World Series ring in his little league game. Oh, dude, I blacked I out. I mean, at that's that a point. that's a flex. Yeah, that's a flex. But still, uh, 
you know, they're, but it's like you said, like they, they go from a winning streak of two in August to three games back in September. Like it's, it's wild. It just, and that's what the movie does really poorly. It just does not set that up at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The final game in like, in a lot of sports movies, the final game is, you know, the big one It's where you get the most action. I think in this one, it is, you know, it is the most action. I've got a ton of issues with the, like, in all your notes, like, was the final game the thing where you had the most notes? Because I had, there's like a bunch of random shit in the final game. It's like, this, this doesn't line up. I mean, I just wrote the Cubs have the most generic white guys I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> I mean, this whole movie does. I mean, there's just like, every guy's the same. I'm like, is that the same guy as the other guy? Um, but uh, the final, I don't know. I, I guess, oh, also the third baseman for the Cubs is wearing number 70, uh, 72. Which is a fucking hilarious number for a third baseman to wear. Yeah, they do no character development. You don't have any sense of who anyone on the team is besides the first baseman and Chet Stedman. You can't right. name a single other player on the team. And the, the uh, catcher, maybe the bullpen, the catcher, the uh, the guy in the bullpen, right? Who's who's Warren from there? Oh, dude, I was I, I was hoping you didn't get that because I was like, dude, that's Warren. Break some veins! Break some veins! That is it, when I saw when I saw him, I was like, "Oh my god!" I think that was the only other thing I've seen him in. The first, oh, he was in something recently. I saw him. the first time I I saw Warren that he was uh, acting in something about Mary. I was like, "Whoa!" I I thought that was uh, I thought that was more legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of aged poorly when you think true, about it. That guy true. playing that guy playing Warren, right? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite parts about the final game is Stedman blows out his shoulder so badly that he can't even like toss the ball home he has to run and do that tag right. that dramatic play and he gets the gets the dugout the manager's like i'm saving you for the playoffs like motherfucker he just blew his rotator yeah. cuff out that was plainly obvious and he's like no i'm done forever <laughs> the guy's like oh shit bc just wants he just straight up wants to retire yeah um henry box on that hidden ball trick yeah. he's standing on the rubber they show it from the uh so the the hidden ball trick wouldn't work, and I I wrote the same thing as you. Like they don't have anyone else to come in. Right. Like there's no way a major league hitter gets that floater and doesn't knock it to high hell. That guy, I don't know if he has. A, does he have a name? That guy, the giant fucking steroid thumb. He's awesome. Hedo. He's a great Hedo character. Hedo. He he's. But I wish they they gave him more um more backstory because he's like he's kind of like clue haywood from major league yeah. just the lurking tobacco spitting hairy dude but it's just like oh here's this guy they just kind of let his his big body speak for itself they don't they don't even do the thing like oh he's leading the national league in home runs and everything else they're You're just right. like oh it's him he's big he's got a hit he, but like when the he, guy's built like a slow pitch softball player and henry throws him a slow pitch softball yeah I guess the thing, the whole thing is like he's so caught off guard by it, right? Is that is that the, uh, or he's trying too hard to hit it? I don't know why he doesn't make contact. Yeah, there's a uh, from like 2004 or something. Like no, it, I think it's 2003. Uh, Orlando Hernandez, El Duque on the Yankees threw oh, yeah. the same kind of pitch to A Rod. Uh, threw him the through A Rod and Ephus pitch. Yeah, yeah and, and A Rod uh, fucking murdered but, it. Yeah, that's the funniest thing in the world when you see that. Like. I just remember that clip now that you say it. It's like, you're like, oh, shit, look at this. Oh, that's, oh, my God, that's 500 feet. You know, because yeah, that's that, something. That's exactly, that's what it would have been like when Henry tossed that ball up. Well, it, it's funny because they show it the pitch before he hits it. it. Right? Doesn't he hit it a mile, but it's foul? Yeah, so he would have been ready for it. 
Yeah, I guess he puts a little more loft on it. And then he finds the magic that it's really his mom's glove, not his fucking deadbeat dad's glove. <laughs> you know? And he's like, it was you. And it, it, that's another funny thing in the movie. He's looking up and mouthing words to his mom in the stands. And the, the background actors next to her, next to her, like, aren't looking at Henry. They're just, like, looking off into the distance. If you're at a big game and, and the pitcher is staring up next to you, mouthing something, you'd be like, you fucking talking to me? Like, it, can you imagine watching the TV broadcast of that? Like, what, yeah. the, like, what is Rowan Gardner doing? Right. Just the weirdest thing. And then my last, the last thing is when he's uh, tossing the ball up and down and like teasing the, the runner on first base, that's excruciating for me. I know it's a it's kid's bad. movie. That, that's there there had to have been another way to get that guy out well i wrote that he henry goes from like being scared shitless so this is just like in the not in the last game but like when he gets up to bat he's so fucking scared and then right when he gets on base he turns into a fucking dickhead and he's like pitcher's got a big butt all that shit and then then he gets his teammate hit and he takes a second he pauses and like recalibrates and then he starts doing it again it's like henry bro you're about to get fucking knocked out, dude. Yeah, in, in re, like real life, they do a pickoff attempt, but he just throws it right in Henry's back. Right, and yeah. He, he just cries. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really, they they don't do, they make it too kind of childish to to be great. And I'm sure like nine-year-old me really ate that up. I'm sure it was like, oh, that's really funny, him taunting that pitcher and then... Me at twenty eight, I'm like, this is this is terrible. Like if they made this, this today, a waste of time. they would just update it like that. He would just start fucking dabbing like twenty times in front of the pitcher. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like kids would love that. Yeah, the pitcher's the got YouTube, a YouTube generation. Yeah, pitcher's got a big butt is kind of something that's like so corny. But maybe at the time we liked it. I don't really know. I don't remember. Yeah, that's that hung around in the lexicon for a while. It just got a I big think. butt. Yeah, yeah. Did you have uh, Did you have anything else before we get into the best on screen athlete? Um, oh, just his his the pitch. Uh, like what they show his like fastball a couple times, and obviously it's like CGI. But I don't know. It looks really obviously it's fake. I don't know. You know, I'm a real fun guy at parties, but I'm like, oh, that looks kind of fake. Like they could have done a better <laughs> better job, right? That's well. That's the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to got to point that stuff out, and yeah, it it looks bad. It looks it looks real bad. I mean, let's let's run that into worst on screen athlete. I don't want to shit on Thomasy and Nicholas. Like, I think it kind of works in that his arm looks funky. I mean, he's clearly not an athlete. Uh, well, it's so just like, I want to give it to Busey. Just like uh, yeah, Busey. I wrote Busey for worst on screen athlete. Because he he cannot throw, but like if if you ever seen Eastbound and Down, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I mean that's that shows awesome. But Kenny Powers cannot throw. Uh, you know what's his name? Fucking uh, Danny McBride. Danny McBride. God love him. He's awesome, but he cannot throw a fastball. He he kind of has the same motion as as uh, Henry. He kind of just goes straight back and and shot puts it. Um, I think that makes it funnier though. That's true. Eastbound and Down. The fact that like he's just such like a fucking piece of shit. And he's so out of shape, but they're just like, yeah, he's throwing, you know, he's throwing 100 miles an hour or whatever he's throwing right at the beginning. That's true. And then anything he does before and after that just makes up for it because it's so funny. So it's like, you know, you forgive it. Um, the first five minutes of, I mean, completely, complete segue. I, I legitimately think the first five minutes of Eastbound and Down might be the funniest intro of any TV series. Oh, ever. it's so good. I mean, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> i can't even like i don't even want to use the clips yeah it's it's, gotta, it's aged aged interestingly 
when um, another random thing is like when so when the the ball first flies into the bleachers and Henry throws it like a fucking dart like five hundred feet. Why do those guys like try to kick his ass? Like they should. Everybody would be like, "Dude, that was crazy!" Like, let me buy you a beer. They like get pissed and like try to chase him out of the thing. Yeah, they're the biggest assholes in Chicago. They're like, "You're trying to show me up, kid." Like, dude, do you not just see what happened? He lifted a car right in front of you. Like, he's not. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 weird. Yeah, you saw the most amazing athletic feat probably ever. Yeah, throwing a ball, throwing a ball on an absolute seed. Uh, but yeah, Busey, worst on-screen athlete. I think it's Busey, obviously. Do you think it's one of those things where, you know, it's like in the audition, they're like, you play baseball, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, of course. They say, they tell you to say yes to anything. And he's like, yeah, I can play. And then the first day of shooting, they're like, dude, you can't really throw. And they're like, yeah, we figured it out. They're just like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Like you'll be, you'll be fine. We'll, we'll cut around it. Right. But, uh, you can, you can tell that Busey's throwing about 55. Yeah. Tops. Like he's less athletic on the mound than the guy than Chelsea Ross from Major League, the guy who played Eddie Harris, yeah, Reese like Baller. I really think Busey's worse than him. I, he's uh, not uh, Freddie Prince Jr. in Summer Catch Bad, but he's bad. How about uh, Wiley Wiggins in Dazed and Confused? He's pretty bad. Uh, on oh, the shouts to Wiley Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty bad. But it, another funny scene in this is, uh, I think it's the last game where Chet Stedman takes the mound and he's he's throwing heat and he throws like. The first batter, he throws a couple of pitches low, but they're strikes. And the ca- he's throwing fastballs, and the catcher is catching it, like, with his hand down, like, open. You know what I mean? Like, kind of how you'd throw, like, a curveball or something that was diving towards the dirt. And he catch – it's just so weird. I'm like, what are you doing? That's supposed to be, like, a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Why are you catching it like that? Just really- yeah, I mean, it's clear that Busey's just basically throwing lollipops to him. Exactly. The uh, Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. This movie, like I said, is full of kind of those guys. I got a long list for you. There's Bruce Altman as Jack Bradfield, the uh, the shitty stepdad. There's Dan Hedaya as Fish, the uh, the general manager. There's Phil Brickma, played by Daniel Stern, the director. Neil Flynn as Stan Oakey, the janitor from Scrubs. W. Earl Brown as Frick, the bullpen catcher, who is Warren from There's Something About Mary. Uh, Tom Milanovich as Hedo, the uh, the big steroid juice monkey. Albert Hall as Sal Martinella, the manager. My favorite thing about him is I was looking at his IMDb and like there's some notables, but he like he's in a TV movie, the Tiger Woods story, but he plays Hank Aaron. Oh. Like I've never I've never seen it, but I'm like I really want to watch watch that made for TV movie and see how Hank Aaron works himself into the Tiger Woods story. Yeah, he seemed like a real '90s like TV actor. Like, like maybe he was like like a detective and like silk stockings or something. You know what I mean? Like he he had that kind of career where you like I've seen that guy maybe late at night at like one in the morning on TNT. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he's had a bunch of bit stuff. And then finally, Amy Morton, who plays Henry's mom, Mary Roan Gardner. She's on Chicago PD now. Yeah, she pops up a lot. She she's a good actor. I, I like her. Uh, yeah, so, I don't want to age shame anyone, but she was supposed to be a teen mom, and Henry's eleven. And yeah, that doesn't she make was sense. in her mid thirties when they filmed this. That that doesn't add up. Mid thirties, man. I maybe thought even older because I guess that's just the style and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Neil Flynn, the the guy from Scrubs. He was also in the outfield in Major League, right? Wasn't he in the stands? Yeah, he was in. Um, yeah, he was the the guy in the stands. 
who's like banging the drum they, with his friends and they're like too high too high that one of those guys right yeah and then they essentially replaced him with randy quaid in major league two. Oh, interesting that hasn't aged well quaid really went off the fucking deep end uh, I, I tweeted at him from the uh, the Twitter account of this podcast. That's at big underscore screen sport for anyone listening. Uh, and told uh, Randy that he has an open invite on this podcast, but I'm really not holding my breath that he, he gets back to me on that one. Does he have, does like, when someone like loses their mind like that, does it affect how you watch certain movies like like Christmas Vacation or whatever? Is so He's so funny in those movies. I feel like it'd be different if it was like Daniel Day Lewis who'd lost his mind like that. Like you're watching Lincoln, but then like Daniel Day Lewis is posting Infowars type conspiracy videos on Twitter. Right. But like it's like Cousin Eddie who's gone crazy. And like that kind of adds up. It's just a natural progression of the character. Mm-hmm. It's actually better. You're like, oh, Cousin Eddie's doing what Cousin Eddie would be doing in 2019, just like posting crazy shit to Facebook. Yeah, it it really is. He really is Cousin Eddie. He's actually, Randy Quaid is in a movie that I'm going to consider a sports movie just because I want to cover it, but Kingpin. Oh, Kingpin is awesome, and it's definitely a sports movie. Yeah, Kingpin's an all-time, and Randy Quaid is great in it. That's where it makes me sad that Randy Quaid's gone off the deep end, I think, is Kingpin Randy Quaid. Oh, he's so good in that. That's such a funny movie. I probably watched that last year, and that that movie holds up. Yeah, Kingpin's worth a watch every single year. And uh, unlike rookie of the year, unlike (laughs) (laughs) did you have anyone else for the pinch hitter? Um, no, I think that's pretty good. I mean, I always remembered if you asked me anything about this movie, I would, you know, obviously tell you the plot, but I would, I would also say Daniel Stern's really funny in it. Like from when I was a kid, I would say that. And as an adult, he's, he's still pretty funny. Like, I think he's like, he's a, he's great for a kid to watch that in that movie. He's really funny and he, he, he carries it pretty well. Chin down. Eye on the ball. Now bring it to me. See what I did there? Huh? You see that? All right. Now. Give me the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's really like if Marv turned into a pitching right. coach. Like if yeah. he got out of robbing banks and in or robbing houses and into... Uh, being a pitching coach, right? Like also, it, like yeah. does no coaching the whole movie. Yeah, like he's the pitching coach. Maybe that's why they don't have anybody in the bullpen that's ready. He's just fucking getting locked in gates and not doing anything. Like he's he doesn't do anything. So I remembered him getting locked in that scene in the final game where he's locked in like the gate. Yeah, I forgot about him getting locked in between the hotel doors. Which like aside from giving me severe like anxiety just thinking about that, like does he die? He's in there, yeah. it's seemingly all day. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't remember that either, but when, when the doors were like shutting like that, I go, oh yeah, he gets locked in there. It just came like flashing back. That's something that just stays with you. To this day, I, I would probably be like, be careful, don't get locked in between those doors. Yeah, that's he's a tough, tough look for Phil Brickma. He doesn't yeah. do any coaching uh, aside from his, his batting demonstration when they're, when they're hitting BP. But he's probably my pick for for pinch hitter too. Um, yeah. As far as like this is a movie filled with side characters because they only really develop uh, just Henry really. They barely even develop Chet Stedman. Uh, but he's the only one who's kind of memorable and like legitimately funny and and all that. So the guy I didn't have a big chill. Oh, go ahead. No, the guy who is like uh, John Candy's sidekick. I don't know what that actor's name is, but like, in the booth. He, I'm pretty sure he was in the Wonder Years for a little bit, right? 
Yes, I think that was part of the uh, part of yeah, uh, as part of the IMDb trivia that Daniel Stern did the voiceover narration oh, for the Wonder yeah, Years, yeah. and that guy is played by Andrew Mark Berman, and he had a recurring role in the Wonder. He was Years. always like chewing gum and like kind of twitching on the Wonder Years. He's much more normal in this in this movie. Yeah, he's the he's John Candy straight man. Yeah. Even though John Candy's not like a zany announcer, really, he plays it pretty straight. He's he's just like kind of just throws away lines like in a funny way, but he's not like over the top. Like he's just like, yeah, they fucking suck. Yeah, he's re- yeah, that's exactly. He's pretty much just morose the whole movie. Right. They don't they they really don't give him a lot to work with. Like he's good for what he has, but uh, feels like a uh, you- one to two day shoot for John Candy who just showed up. You know, did his thing and, and uh, probably never watched this movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he went to his grave uh, thinking fond things about this. movie. <laughs> I didn't have a big chill moment. Um, part of I didn't even have like maybe I maybe got the stupid chills when he was doing the uh, throwing the ball up and trying to tempt the runner into stealing. Um, to get a big chill in a sports movie, you need build up. You need to be invested. Like I didn't give a shit that he struck out that guy at the end, dude. So I could have cared. I, I wish he would have hit a home run. Honestly, it's funny. I'm gonna plug a stupid video I made. I did the. I recut the last scene and I put in uh, Friday Night Lights music. It's on Twitter. You can find it. Uh, but I have been watching it like that for like the last two weeks. Whenever I put it up, and I'm like, yeah, this, the last scene's awesome. And then I watched it as is, and I'm like, this fucking sucks. Like when that <laughs> when he strikes out, you're like, that's it. That's it's nothing. So what I'm trying to say is watch my video and everything's better with the Friday Night Lights music. Yeah, we'll retweet that from the uh, from the account. How do wait? So did did you do it? I haven't seen it. Did you do it? The Friday Night Lights the movie music or Friday Night Lights the show music? Oh fuck, dude. Good question. <laughs> you know what's funny is I always I like both of them, but I always like double down on how good the movie is because it is an awesome movie. But I feel like it gets. Uh, forgotten about because people like the show so much yeah so, and they're they're pretty different i love friday night lights the movie, the movie. I, i've got like fond I, I i went to went to college in odessa so oh, I've really got like fond yeah i've got like a fond you know feeling for that movie but yeah that that movie's fantastic. No, i used i used the movie because it was from when billy bob was given his uh given his speech at the in the last game oh yeah dude yeah, it, when the, yeah. when what's his name gives uh I can't think of anyone's name. When when he gives like his his uh, Keith Urban or whoever the country singer's name is, he gives him his, his Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw. When he gives him uh, his <laughs> ring back, dude. If you don't like get choked up there, you got nothing going on. There's some big chill moments in in Friday Night Lights with Rookie of the Year. How would you improve this? If we were gonna make this a Netflix series, it's ten episodes. Not to I don't want to uh, shout out to the rewatchables. So they they do oh, yeah, this yeah. with uh, with the end of with the end of every episode. They ask if something could be a Netflix series. If you were making this one a Netflix series, if, like it was something for kids, but adults would enjoy it too, how would you lay this out? Yeah, it's hard. I guess you just make it, I feel like maybe it's just the times these days, it feels like kids like less corny shit. So I think you would make it less corny. Like you would have, you know, you would have fucking the main character like going through some shit, but it's also fun, but you like have a grounded a little more. And then the parents are like a secondary character, which is also going through. So you pull in the parents as well. Like, I think the movie just tries to to hit it hard. It's goofy. It's fun. It's a baseball movie. But like you said, if it was a TV show, the, the whole first episode is like him fucking up his arm and being an idiot. And then at the end of the episode, he throws his first fastball and the fucking episode ends. You're like, oh, my God, this kid's nasty. Yeah, I think kids these days like seem older. Right, yeah. And I think like they if, if it was 
like this movie, if ki- if you had all the you know twelve year olds or whatever watch this movie right now, they'd be like, oh, this is this is stupid. This is really unrealistic. Right. Um. Yeah, I think you do that, and you just do build up, and you have him like he breaks his arm in like October, and he gets his cast off in April. So you set it over the course of a whole season. You maybe uh bring along more than just one character like you actually develop a couple characters like you're you know you're bought into the first baseman and like you know maybe i don't i don't know how henry would would help any of these guys but maybe in some way you got to have henry being on the team and proves morale and gets these guys well, he- you know the classic hey you guys are you know playing a kid's game like you should be having fun kind of the same thing they do in little big league well he he can like help the guys like set up tiktok accounts to like communicate with their fucking kids and shit you know like he can help them relate to their kids and everyone's like wow henry i'm so much closer to my kids now because of you exactly yeah that'd be that'd be a thing uh they can keep the scene with henry staring at dicks though that was really funny to me (laughs) yeah absolutely that's a must-have and if this happened there would be there would just be an epidemic of kids breaking their own arms to try to get onto a professional baseball teams like to be like the oh, Rowan Gardner challenge. Yeah, did you hear about the <laughs> yeah, the Rowan Gardner challenge? Hey, did you hear about that kid in Chicago? Oh, push me down a flight of stairs. You know what I mean? It'd be a boon for uh surgeons in the Chicago Yeah. Nationwide, just just fix and rotate. And then cuffs. people would be like, actually it's all it's all a scam. That dude's mom's actually a surgeon. There'd be like conspiracy theories going around. Like it would be great. It really would be. It'd be a be a big thing on Reddit. The kids would love it. Uh, this was a Netflix series. I would watch it. I would give it a chance. But as for this movie, I think I can, I can confidently say that unless I'm in a really dark place and there's nothing else on TV, I don't think I'm ever gonna, gonna see it again. Mike, I appreciate you coming on this podcast and enduring, enduring watching this movie (laughs) and going, going over this with me. Where can the people follow you on social media? Well, thanks for having me. I had a great time. It was fun to rewatch it. So, uh, now I know I don't have to rewatch it ever again. Um, follow me on Twitter, mcamerlingo is my handle. I uh, tweet out a bunch of stupid videos. If you like sports or old movie recaps, I do them in 60 seconds. They're really dumb. Um, but yeah, most of my shit's on Twitter. You can go to mikecamerlingo.com, see some of my other stuff as well. Yeah, I try to retweet your uh, your 60-second um, movie clips you know, every time they come across my timeline. They're really funny. Thank you. Uh, if, you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate, leave a review. You know, you know the drill. Uh, episodes every Thursday. And make sure you're following on social media at Big Underscore Screen Sports on Twitter, at Big Screen Sports Pod on Instagram. And catch us next week. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.